Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. reading now. It's in uh, Revelation chapter 19. We're continuing uh, through Revelation verses 11 to 21. Let's listen to God's words to us. Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Jesus was just a good preacher. Jesus was just a wandering teacher. Jesus was just a Jewish revolutionary executed by the Romans. He was just this. He was just that. And it's simply a legend. Like King Arthur or or Robin Hood. Fiction and truth all mashed up. Uh, A man whose story just ended on the cross. Perhaps those are familiar things you've heard. Perhaps they're things uh, you have believed or believe yourself. But that's the story our world tells about Jesus Christ, isn't it? It says, you Christians, you've taken what's true and what's false and kind of twisted it together and distorted it into a fake, a fake Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can find those challenges quite hard at times. Yet we know, we know, God has convinced us by his spirit that the Bible's witness is the one that's true. We, we are not the ones believing in a fake Jesus, but the true one. The, the Jesus of history, the Son of God, God's Messiah. Actually, they're the ones who've twisted the truth to make Jesus more palatable, less life-changing, less radical. But it can feel like the truth is never going to be known. 
It's 2,000 years later. Life just ticks on. The seasons come and go. My friends and neighbors, they are still outright rejecting Jesus, and it seems absolutely fine. Will they ever be shown the real Jesus? That's the big question, isn't it? Because sticking with the real Jesus can be hard, can't it? It can bring persecution. It can bring difficulty. So why stick with him if people are never going to actually see the truth in the end? Why not swap for a meek and mild Jesus? Why not swap just for kind of a Christmas Jesus with no Easter? Well, God has much more to show us here in Revelation this morning. He's going to show us truth. He's going to show us truth appearing and most significantly, truth winning. Truth wins. And now we're in the last section of Revelation, if you've been with us these last few weeks. Um, over the, the book, John has actually introduced us to a number of images of those opposed to God. Perhaps you can remember them. We've seen the, the kind of the evil anti-trinity of the, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And then in chapter 17, if you remember, we, we, we met Babylon the Great as well. And in these last few chapters, John is revealing their downfall. That's what we're in at the moment. The great tower of pride is tumbling down. Last week, a a voice cried out, fallen is Babylon the great. Now in chapter 19, we're going to see the end of the beast and the false prophet. And then next week in chapter 20, we'll we'll get a glimpse of the end of the dragon himself. It's like we're kind of circling a a great ruined tower, seeing it from different angles. You know, a a roof fallen in there, a, a burnt out foundation there, a crumbling wall over here. And just think of those first readers watching the vast empire of Rome grow, watching it spin stories about gods and emperors, feeling the pressure on their shoulders of faith squeezed. And then they read this, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Here, in the future, Christ the truth appears. Christ the truth appears. This is his final appearing. And what an image John paints for us. Christ riding a white horse, eyes like fire, a a royal crown on his brow, a sword coming from his mouth of all places, followed by a mighty army. Hear the the hooves galloping, the the cries of war, the clanging of swords. This is a a, a majestic image, a, a terrifying image, a cataclysmic image. And it's all about the world finally seeing who Jesus is. It's all about names. Do you notice that? It's about revealing who he is. Verse 11, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. Verse 12, he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Verse 13, and the name by which he's called is the word of God. Verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is a moment of revelation. The Lord, uh, the world will see the truth. 
the real Jesus. And it's what the, the gospel has always proclaimed, isn't it? These aren't new words to us. He's faithful and true. He's, he's the one who's never let us down. Through thick or thin, he has kept his promises to us. Promises of salvation. Promises of, of peace. Of inner healing. Of eternal life. The one who reveals he's the truth. Reveals God to himself and how to live in this world. Not only that, he's the word of God. He's the agent of creation and of recreation. As Paul says, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the word of God. Not just human, but God of God, light of light, fully God and fully man. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the supreme one. He's the magnificent one. But the one of sovereign rule and power, the one before every knee will bow, the one who rides before a mighty army and, and sits uh, on a majestic throne over all creation. He's not some irrelevant myth or legend, but he's God's king who right now demands our allegiance and obedience. We've known it. We've known it in the gospel. But when he comes, Christ, the truth, appears all will know who he is. Even that strange line, he has a name written that no one knows himself. Even that line, it's showing us Christ is actually in full control of who knows and who doesn't. And when he appears, all will see. All will know his names. All will see who he is. What we've heard in the gospel, we will see. Perhaps think of it like this. It's a bit like a giant uncut diamond. Some of us, like me, if I saw one of those, I'd think it's just a bit of glass or maybe uh, a nice bit of crystal. Others see it and they know exactly what it is, don't they? But, but when it's finally cut and polished, when it's put in full view, there's no doubting from anyone. All know. All know that it's a true and beautiful diamond sparkling in the light. All will see what it really is. That's what it would be like when Christ, the truth, appears. All going to see what was true all along. And when Jesus appears, it's not, it's not kind of a matter-of-fact thing like, oh, that's a diamond, that's nice. No, all's, um, no, much more is going on. We've got to get into the imagery here. This is, this is an image kind of of two metaphors squished together. Okay, end of verse 11, have a look. It says, in righteousness, two things, he judges and makes war. Then you notice verse 15, from his mouth comes a sword. So this is the, the image of a battlefield and a courtroom. The image of the, the sword and the gavel. This, this is truth advancing. This is truth riding a, a military charger. This is truth with a sharp sword. Why? Because our relationship to Jesus Christ is not a neutral one. Our relationship to Jesus Christ is a moral one. As creatures made by the Creator, ever since the beginning of the world, God has required of us law, uh, love and obedience. Out of love, He gave us His law. And despite our sin, He even came to us in Jesus Christ to bring forgiveness and restoration. And yet, as Jesus warned time and time again, if you reject him, you reject the Father. 
So that means when he comes, what, we, what we've done with him will be laid upon us. There will be consequences. Before, in, in chapter 3 of Revelation, the similar language, Jesus was the faithful and true witness there. In other words, right now in this life, he's showing us, he's teaching us, testifying to us the truth in the gospel. But when he comes again, he's no longer simply the witness. He's the faithful and true judge. The judge has arrived. The evidence has arrived. The court session has begun. Christ, the truth, appears. And not only is this truth moral, not only is it kind of relational, this truth is indisputable. Christ, the truth, is indisputable because it's, it's striking what happens when Jesus appears. Verse 19. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gather to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. Now just think what they don't do. They don't come out to reason with him. They don't come out to present some different kind of evidence. No, they know the truth has come in Christ, so all they can do is bring force, bring might. It's like, it's like when a bully has been kind of outwitted by someone smarter than them. What does he do? He just, he just hits them in the face because that's all he's got. And so they gather for war. The powers and authorities, the spiritual powers and earthly powers, they are up for a fight because that's all they've got. But this is not a contest. Remember verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. This is imagery straight from Psalm 2 and Isaiah. In military terms, this battle would be a rout. It's a trouncing. You know, it's as one-sided as Barcelona against Fort William FC. Or it's more like the United States nuclear arsenal pointed at kind of a uh, a small revolt in an Alaskan village. This, uh, Christ the truth we're seeing here is indisputable. This isn't like a, a despot crushing any criticism because he can't handle the truth. No, this is truth itself coming to bear. It's bringing its light. It's like a prosecutor turning up to court with, with hundreds of witnesses, files of documents reaching to the ceiling of statements, photographs, corroborating evidence. He's got, he's got CCTV cameras galore showing all angles. It's indisputable. No one, no one will say on that day, it's not fair. No one's going to try and appeal this court case. But why does this matter? Why are the the beasts, the false prophet, and the kings of the earth willing to gather to make war. Why are they fighting when it's indisputable? Well, it's there throughout the passage. Not only does Christ the truth appear, not only is it, is it moral and indisputable, but Christ the truth condemns. He condemns. The society of our world is not righteous and true. You don't need to look very far on the news, in our streets, or even in our own homes to know that. It is not one of love. It's not one of love of God or love of neighbor. The diamond has been ignored. The Son of God has been ridiculed and mocked. So the truth comes and it condemns. The evidence is to prosecute the world, not to defend the world. And the verdict is passed. And this vision is, is graphic, isn't it? 
Verse 15, God will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Verse 17, then I saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Then the end of verse 20, talking about the beast and the false prophet, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that comes from the mouth of him who is sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Wow, it's it's graphic, isn't it? The image kind of churns our stomachs. The sight of claws and, and sharp beaks tearing at human flesh, the the smell and sight of a, of a beast and smoke uh, from him burning. These images that are stark and brutal. Images, yes, but they, they're giving our imaginations a taste, a glimpse of hell. When truth comes, it condemns. In the light of Jesus Christ, the bright, all-exposing light all will be laid bare. As truth marches forward, it reveals, it condemns. All the lies will be shown. Lies of the beast and of the false prophet. Lies that have made the Lord of lords look insignificant and even laughable. Lies that twisted the word of God into a powerless, itinerant preacher. Lies that distorted the one who's called faithful and true into a myth of history. Lies and distortions actually that allowed the world to live as they liked, allowed us to live as we wanted, to allow us to to do as we saw fit. No Christ, no truth. With no Christ, there's no courtroom. With no Christ, there's no condemnation. And so we can humiliate and enslave. We can gorge and be drunk. We can abuse and self-promote as we like. But the truth is, it will not go unpunished. It will not be left alone. The wrath of God is coming because the God of glory, the God of love, the God of justice, the God of goodness and righteousness and truth is coming. Truth wins. Christ is appearing. So a moral, indisputable truth will come and it will condemn. Is this the Jesus you are holding on to this morning? A warring judge. Perhaps this vision of Jesus feels a bit alien. It seems so dramatic, doesn't it? Given uh, perhaps your image of a vulnerable baby in a manger or, or a weak man dying on a cross. More than that, perhaps you don't like this image. Is it, is it too aggressive, too warlike, too archaic? But John, John is lifting our eyes this morning. He, he's showing us more of our Savior. It's the same Jesus It's the same Jesus born in a manger. It's the same Jesus, the carpenter's son. It's the same Jesus who had meals with the tax collectors. Uh, It's the same Jesus who is executed by the Romans for your sins. But it's a glorified, resurrected, ruling Jesus. A Jesus who's bringing the lies, the deception, the abuse, and the sin of his enemies to an end. He's glorious, isn't he? He's worthy of our worship. Are we holding on to this Jesus? Sure, a meek and mild Jesus is less threatening, isn't he? 
less life-changing. A wandering preacher can mean I can do kind of whatever I like with my life. But it's not the Jesus who's seated on the heavenly throne right now. And it's this Jesus who's saying to us, will you hold on to me? Will you hold on to me even when others are saying different things? Even when it looks easier if you don't. Will you hold on knowing truth is coming? Knowing light is coming? Will you hold on tomorrow? Will you hold on the day after and the day after that? Will you hold on because of who I am? Just think this Jesus will bring indisputable light. So in the end, we will be shown to be people of truth. That's a good thing. We will be a people vindicated for what we've believed, even though we've been looked down on now by our society, by our friends. It will not always be this way. If Jesus wasn't this kind of Jesus, everything would actually stay in the dark. Like all of the, the great paintings of the world, I don't know, burn, burned in a drawer, never seen by anyone. But Jesus will be seen, and so what we've held on to will be vindicated. Perhaps you've been laughed at at school for believing in Jesus. Oh, you wish they could see Jesus for who he is. Remember, Christ, the truth, wins. They will see, and they, they, they wish they'd never mocked you or him. Keep holding on. And hold on, not only because he brings light, but because he comes as judge. Wrongs done against you, against those you know and love, they will be seen and punished. I mean, perhaps someone has spread lies about you, attacked your character in order to, to score points, perhaps to discredit the Jesus you believe in. Remember, in Christ, truth wins. His light will reveal their sins and your integrity. Perhaps even you faced abuse in the past and they just got away with it. You long for justice and it won't come. Remember in Christ, truth wins. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Hold on to him. Because without this kind of Jesus, there is no end. There is no end to suffering and pain and persecution. Churches the world over will have been oppressed for nothing. No hope for a better world. No hope for the end of evil. The liars and deceivers, the people who've stood against Jesus, led people to false worship, those who've loved darkness rather than light, they must face justice. God is just. God is loving. God is truth. And so he must bring the forces of evil to an end through his king. Truth wins. Hold on to him. But knowing this about Christ also means we can hold on rightly. Jesus does not need saving by us. He, do, he doesn't need us to tread the fury of God's wrath for him before he comes back. He doesn't expect us to defeat all the powers of evil before he returns. Instead, we live under the time of his command, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, we don't do this because we're just sweeping justice under the carpet. No, we do this because we know justice will never be swept under the carpet. Truth will win. I heard this quote recently that the spirit of the world tells us that no difference politically or theologically is tolerable and our enemies must be destroyed. 
The Spirit of Christ offers a better way, robust truth and robust kindness. So tomorrow at work or at home, we can serve and we can love. We can forgive the hurtful words said against us by our colleague or by our family member. I'm not, I'm not saying that's easy to do. But we need to let the truth of this vision of Christ uh, in his final appearing sink deep so we can hold on with gentleness. But finally, perhaps some of you here, um, Christ's return has been a bit of a jolt to your conscience. Right now, you know you would stand condemned. You know your sins are before you and behind you. You've hated Jesus and what he stands for. If that's you, remember the one who rides on the white horse is also a lamb who was slain. Jesus Christ died for sinners, for sinners like you and me. He didn't come for those who've got it sorted. He came for those who know they've got no hope. They know sin has gone deep to the core. This, this vision is a future vision. Come to Jesus uh, as savior so you won't have to come to him as judge. Because those of us who know Jesus this morning, we didn't get here through hard work or being good enough. Okay? Despite what some people think, God does not help those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible and it's not true. God saves the sinner, the spiritually poor and blind. God showed me the truth. I didn't discover it. Christ will appear and right now he says, come to me for forgiveness. Can I urge you this morning, if that's you, please take action. Talk to a Christian friend. Come and chat to me. Jesus is a wonderful savior, but he's a terrifying judge. So to finish, as Christ says, will you hold on to me? Well, we say yes, don't we? We say yes, knowing he's returning. Know he's returning in glory and in truth. We say yes, knowing he's our only hope. We say yes, knowing Christ the truth is our song of triumph. Amen.